Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, today in the show, we're going to talk just a little bit about zinc. It is super important in every crop. Now, granted, it is a micronutrient, so you don't need lots of it, but you definitely need some. So we're going to talk today about how much do you need and what kind of impact does this have on the crop. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything that's going on in your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, I just wanted to tell you one of the things for me personally that I have learned about zinc and yield in the last 10 years. And that is the very strong relationship that there is between phosphorus and zinc. And I did not realize this 10 years ago, but we can really see it today. And here's how, so there, there have been people talking about this phosphorus to zinc ratio for a long time. Well, until you try things and prove things out on your own farm, it always feels to me like it's a little hard to believe. <laughs> okay. I don't know how you feel, but we, on our farm about five or six years ago now, I think six, uh, we started doing one acre soil test grids. We farm about 3,500 crop acres. and We probably soil test, let's call it on average, 2,500 plus acres every year. So it's a lot. And I'm not saying you have to do that. We like doing that for research purposes. And so we have more things we can talk to you about here on the radio and on TV. And then we generate a lot more data as well. So yeah, I know it has been six years now because I have five years worth of data. So if you, if you think about this, if let's say I've got 2,500 grid points, each year for five years. That's 12,500 pieces of data. And what we have found is this relationship of phosphorus to zinc, it is the real deal. I don't quite frankly even care about, oh, what's my straight zinc level that I'm looking for in the soil? I don't care anymore because that doesn't translate to yield as much as the phosphorus to zinc ratio translates to yield. And here again, if you don't believe that, get your own data. That That's how I got to believe it on our farm, because you could see an exact correlation there. Now, there's a range, and it's not like you have to be, oh, I got to be exactly 9.6 to 1 on phosphorus to zinc or anything like that. But what we've kind of found, first of all, it's absolutely going to vary depending on the tests you have done. We've gone to Malik 3 tests now, which I love. They're inexpensive, accurate. It's great. And that ratio is going to be just a little bit different than when we were running Bray or Olson uh, phosphorus tests along with DTPA zinc tests. So now we're running all Malik 3. Uh, it, it's just a lot more simple, clear cut, and we move on. But the ratio, the right ratio on our farm, is probably more like 7 to 1, 8 to 1, something like that, and the Malik 3 test. But, I mean, if you're 10 to 1, probably close enough. You're 6 to 1, probably close enough. But we've had some stuff where we've overdone it on zinc, so we've been like a 2 to 1 ratio. Yeah, that's bad for yield. We've been 30 to 1 or more phosphorus to zinc. Yeah, that's bad for yield, and you can see it. So, anyway, powerful data. 
uh, this phosphorus to zinc ratio, and that's the number one thing that we are now looking at on our farm. So I also want you to think about this as I say this. If you are going to be lowering your phosphorus levels over time, let's say you have really high phosphorus levels today. Let's say they're 200 parts per million, and you want to get them down to 100 parts per million. You know how long that's going to take you with a good crop? A couple, three years. If let's say you have, let's call it 15 parts per million of zinc, and you want to drop that down to 10 parts per million of zinc, you know how long that's going to take? Um, that might take decades. <laughs> okay, so where I'm going with this is you have to be a little careful and you have to ask yourself, am I going to leave my phosphorus level the same? Because it's easy to raise phosphorus and lower phosphorus. Oh, it's easy to raise zinc, but it is hard to bring it down because you only need a little bit every year. So just kind of keep that in mind. Be careful before you elevate your zinc levels beyond where you want to keep them long term. All right. Let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, Brian, uh, get this one in from Keith. And he said, guys, we're in a situation where we've got exceptionally high calcium and very low everything else. And just curious about building things up. It's very expensive to add a lot more magnesium. And so just curious what what would you guys do in this situation and and he sent in some tests alongside of this with base saturation and so forth that he calculated because the lab they were using to send the, the test you didn't do a base saturation uh yeah I, I i have a lot of concerns here i i don't i don't know what the lab is and i don't know that i um i i apologize but i'm going to use this word i don't know that i trust the data I'd like it sent into a lab that we're more familiar with. Let's say you send it to Midwest Labs or something like that, or just somebody that we're familiar with, and then we can see. Here's the other thing. Uh, when And I'll just tell you, he's got a level of nine, as high as 96.8% calcium. Well, that means there's almost nothing else. When Neil Kinsey gets a test like this, what he'll do is he'll run another test, and it's a cation displacement test. And basically the point is when your calcium level is that high, because uh, the parts per million was 94.66, base saturation 96.8, Kinsey's theory, and I, I agree with this 100%, the soil can't actually hold that much. There's a whole bunch of free stuff out there. And if you just simply improve your drainage, maybe add some sulfur or whatever, that stuff's going to flush out like right away or soon. So you can't really look at that and you can't say, um, we have a ridiculous problem here. I'm sure you still do have a problem, but it's not as bad as it may appear. So we've done some of that on our own farm and just trying to figure out, okay, what's real, what's not. But yeah, it looks to us, you only have 120 parts per million of magnesium and 182 parts per million of potassium. You're going to need more in both cases. So that's probably the first place I would start is raising those after you get this cation displacement test. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids rain at ridgeback.corteva.us. 
When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitech fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitech. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitech. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitech fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucinto fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about one of our favorite nutrients to discuss, zinc. It's very important no matter what crop you're trying to grow. And we've talked about a few of the things that, that zinc helps out with in plants. But obviously, we want to get some more yield out in our fields too that helps pay for any of our fertility investments. One farmer who I know watches this pretty close is Kelly Garrett. Farms down in the state of Iowa and works with the Extreme Ag Group. How you doing, Kelly? Good. How are you, Darren? Good. All right. Uh, I don't even want to ask you how much money you've had to spend on zinc over the last few years, but I'm just <laughs> going to bet that it's a, a pretty substantial amount. So by investing that much in a nutrient, it must be important to you on your farm. It is. And all nutrients are important. Zinc is a bit extra important to me because we know we want our phosphorus to zinc ratio to be 10 to 1. And with the plant food, the byproduct that I spray out of the liquid feed industry, I've got a lot of available phosphorus. So every time we put zinc on, we get an ROI. You know, that's that's interesting. You're looking at, hey, I'm putting out phos all the time. I got to keep up with my zinc. And and that's an interesting thing. How about lime? We, we talked to a lot of guys that say, I'm putting lime on. I got to make sure I'm putting on micros. I, I'm assuming zinc is probably one of them. Do you end up having a lime very much where you're at in western Iowa? You know, it gets talked about low pH or the need for lime gets talked about a lot more than high pH or the base saturation trouble. And I, but it isn't nearly as important. That doesn't mean it's not as important, but the high pH or a base saturation problem is a much bigger yield limiting factor here than low pH or lime. All right. When we look at zinc, uh, are you just strictly looking at parts per million? Are you looking at tissue tests and percentages? What, where do you see a good um, analysis of are you short or do you need to add more? 
we we look at it from a from a soil test and a tissue test and now we've started to sap test as well to try to find something that could become even more accurate and we're looking for the balance uh, you know I've talked about this before we're trying to achieve balance from an element perspective or chemistry perspective but when I say chemistry it's not roundup it's elements and zinc is a very important element yeah, it sure is. And and when you look at zinc, there's a lot of different ways to get it. And I know there's a lot of different forms of zinc. We've seen some differences in availability and just being friendly to work with for the seed, for the plant, uh, for, for microbes and natural type things we're using. Do you have a favorite on zinc? Do you have some that you say, man, I'm never doing this again? And do you have any that you say, this I'm doing every time? I I don't necessarily always agree or think we get a big ROI from a dry spread because you're spreading so little. But I do, we, we put it on the seed, we'll put some in the two by two, and then we'll put it again when we go across the field foliar. We will put some on almost every time we go across the field through different ways. So I do like in, I do like in the furrow, I do like in the two by two, and I really like foliar, but I don't really like the dry prod, broadcast method. Interesting. Yeah, everybody's got their preferences on these things and and timings and so forth. I know some guys say, man, I always like to get that done in the fall. I just want to make sure it's done. And then like you're talking about here, had better luck at planting time and in season. So I guess it probably depends on a little bit where you're at. What do you hear from the other extreme ag guys? Is this is zinc a big concern for them too? It is. You know, the and all micronutrients really when we all we've all started to talk about this balance from a chemistry perspective. And I I think that the the just the general terms, Darren, that a that a grower uses when we're talking macronutrients and micronutrients, it the term micro makes you feel like they're less important. And just because we need less of them doesn't mean they're not as important. It just means you don't need as many pounds to raise a crop. And and really, there's almost three classes of nutrients anymore. Nitrogen stands head and shoulders above everything, everybody else for the importance that everybody feels that it has. And then we've got our phosphorus, potassium, and sulfur probably in that second tier. And then you've got everything else. And zinc, you could probably argue, is somewhere between the second and third tier. But they are all important because when we're out of balance on one thing, it affects everything else. So just because we have the term micro, doesn't that's not synonymous with un, unimportant they're all important yeah very good point here we're talking about essential nutrients for plant growth and one of them being zinc on today's program and we've been speaking with kelly garrett here who works with the extreme ag group and farms down in western iowa with his family kelly thank you so much really appreciate having you on today thank you darren see you in a few weeks you bet yeah, it's coming close. Four weeks away from today, I think, the Ag PhD Field Day. Let's head over to southeastern Minnesota. We've got John on with us right now. He's got rootworms on his mind. John, how you doing? Not too bad. We could use some rain. <laughs> yes. We sure could, too. I, I think we're about eight inches behind here on our farm. So when And when you only get 22 to 24, and that counts the snow, um, you know, when you're eight inches behind, that's not a great place. Right. And... We had uh, the first week of May was super, so I got all my crop in there and a lot of the neighbors, but some of them didn't get it in, so then it rained for three weeks plus. Hmm. And you can really tell the difference between the stuff that got in and the later stuff because it's, it's running out of moisture. You know, some of the neighbors' fields here have gotten started getting yellow. There's just plain running out of water and nitrogen and everything. Sure. But the earlier planted stuff seems to be hanging in there yet. Yeah. Um, hey, tell us about your rootworm situation, because you had questions on that. 
Yeah, we went out and uh, we were checking yesterday just to see if we should play, spray fungicide yet. Yep. And we're about three three leaves, four leaves from the tassel shooting out. So do you want to start with that or you want to go to rootworm? Uh, well, we can start with that if you want. Okay, so when it's really dry, I'll just tell you on our farm, we are going to spray, uh, might even be starting today. We had, anyway, I'll leave it at that, but we are going to spray all our corn acres, but we're probably only going to spray once. But here's the thing. We haven't had tar spot in our area. You have. And if tar spot hit you last year but didn't hurt yield, I'd consider yourself lucky. Because I talked to a lot of guys this winter where it hit them and it was 40, 60. I had one guy that came up and he goes, yeah, I got to do something about tar spot. And I go, yeah, I hit you bad last year. And he goes, it was 100 bushels, Brian, right to the line. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, yep. yeah, that's uh, that's rough. So I, it was I really south of south of it, southeast of us a little more probably yeah. 40 miles yep yeah they had that kind of hit there yeah really bad and and that's the whole thing it it's so hard to know if it's going to show up it i this is the challenge with the fungicide piece you can't scout and then spray like weeds insects it's not tough you can scout you spray accordingly no big deal but you're always going to be taking your chance on the fungicide thing so if if i'm you i'm probably still gonna do it now but you could take your chance and just wait and try to get by with one application later um, because a lot of guys will wait until full tassel and just hope that the tar spot or anything else doesn't come in till later and just try to get by with one shot. So I may consider that if I'm super dry. And we are super dry here, but typically in our area, we don't have a lot of those diseases that some other people are dealing with. And we've had better luck spraying early. But I know talking to a lot of guys over in your area, they've had better luck spraying late. So I I, I wish I had the perfect answer for you. If you tell me if it's going to rain or not, I mean, that might help my answer, but I don't know. So with your, with your, root, to get, oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Some of the mornings here, we're starting to get a heavy dew and that's kind of conducive yep. to tire spot also, uh-huh. isn't it? Yes. It's the same thing. I just sent something out to some agronomists and I, I said that exact same thing. We had, we finally did get almost an inch of rain over the weekend. And I mean, now there's humidity in the air. They've given us a chance of rain almost every day for the next week. Uh, so I'm more, however you want to look at it, optimistic that things are going to be good, but pessimistic that we're going to get disease. And that's why I just told our guys, yeah, we probably better pull the trigger. Well, we can still spray ourselves with our, uh, with our self-propelled sprayer. Okay. So on to your rootworm question. What, uh, uh so we yeah. dug up, you know, I, I think I sent you an email there said yes. all the things we did. Um, moldboard plow, 6,000 gallons, took the stocks off, plowed it deep, um, put 18 ounces of sniper in furrow, and we dug up a root ball yesterday. And I don't know what the threshold is, and the agronomist that was out here with me, she wasn't sure either. So we dug out a root ball, put it in a pail of water, you know, shook it all off yep. and let them float to the top. And we probably we probably picked off seven, eight, nine of them. Mm. And I did it again this morning and got about not quite as many, maybe yeah. four, five, six. Yep. Okay. So I'll tell you what, uh, John, hang on for us if you could. We've got to take a real quick commercial break here, and then we'll come right back and we'll answer your question and talk about what could possibly be done for next year so hopefully you don't have the same situation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. 
with three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab. It's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Combine header loss means loss income. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. It's common to see a two bushel loss per acre due to header loss. That's over $14 per acre. 360 Yield Saver replacement gathering chains cut header loss by cushioning the ear and by closing the gaps between the deck plates. 360 Yield Saver can cut header loss by 80%, adding $14 per acre. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just talking about zinc and taking your calls and questions. So right before the break, we're talking with John from Southeast Minnesota. And John, thanks for hanging on with us there. We appreciate that. Uh, so here, here, here is his situation. Basically, he's got corn on corn for many years. And he's got a whole bunch of rootworms out there that he's finding right now. And he says, okay, I sprayed insecticide with the fungicide last summer. So, I mean, some people will call that bug bombing. Basically, you're trying to kill the rootworm beetles before they can lay eggs. So hopefully that cuts your population the next year. He planted Smart Stacks corn this year. He used a really high rate of bifenthrin in furrow. And so here are the couple of questions that, that kind of come up with that. Number one is... Are things just worse because of dry weather? Well, 
Uh, John, it's possible that you're going to have better rootworm survivability because, uh, or uh, sorry, not wet weather, dry weather. You might have better rootworm survivability because you don't have wet weather. Sometimes um, exceptionally wet weather might uh, might cause some issues there. So it must have been a great rootworm hatch, and most of those rootworms lived. And so part of that could be attributed to the dry weather. The bigger factor that I would look at is, okay, number one, uh, with smart stacks, we are seeing a lot more resistance, unfortunately, and a bunch in Minnesota. So a lot of people are switching from smart stacks to smart stacks pro. And the smart stacks pro has the RNAi, where basically it's another mode of action and it it basically interferes with something, the RNAi, the I stands for interference. It interferes with something inside that bug that stops a protein from developing, and so basically the bug dies. So you've also got the BT there, but like I say, I think you're probably dealing with some resistant bugs. I, I feel very confident in saying that. The second thing is you used a really high rate of liquid insecticide. Is dry insecticide better? Yes. Is it significantly better, like 20-30% better? Typically, no. Plus, if you've been dry, sometimes we almost prefer the liquid at a really high rate as opposed to the dry because there isn't enough moisture to break the dry down and get it into solution and the bugs uh, get, get controlled. So I don't think that's the bigger thing. Personally, I would say you got to go to SmartStacks Pro instead of SmartStacks, and that's the main thing you can do. But then the last thing that I wanted to bring up is the insecticide you sprayed last summer. I know you you put it with your fungicide, and, and that's great, and that's what we typically do too. What I get worried about is if those beetles showed up, um, let's call it a couple weeks before you were able to spray. Because if they get even a little bit of time, then they could potentially be laying the eggs. And so while you killed the beetles when you sprayed, you didn't kill them early enough and they already had the chance to lay the eggs. So that's the other factor I would look at. But we work with a lot of people like you that they say, look, I want to keep planting lots of corn. I do on my own farm too. I'm the same as you. So uh, SmartStacks Pro is really the, the biggest way that we can overcome this, at least right now. And then, like, even the stuff we're going to be spraying here over the next week or so on our farm for corn, we will be throwing insecticide in because we already are starting to see a few rootworm beetles out there. So I guess that's I, I realize that was a, a, a long uh, uh, explanation there, but that's how I would feel about what you're doing there. So you, you try to do the right things, and it's great. It's just I unfortunately think we're seeing a lot of smart stacks resistance. And that might be exactly what happened last year because when we were out scouting before we sprayed fungicide, we saw a lot of beetles, yep. and, of course, the helicopter didn't get here, and finally yep. I had my nephew come in with his ground rig. So we were we were behind the eight ball last yep. year. Yep. It was a week or two later than I wished we would have sprayed. Yep. And yeah, for everybody listening, my advice to people is always, look, as soon as you see those rootworm beetles show up, you got to spray. And you, I'd rather have you be on the early side, because keep in mind, the insecticide a lot of times will have a week's worth of residual. So you'll continue killing some beetles out there. But if you're too late, yeah, it's just, we usually call that a revenge kill. So you killed the adult, but, uh, you know, the, the eggs are already laid. <laughs> So the first time around, we don't see any beetles yet. The the spraying for the sure. uh, insecticide 
would probably I think I'm going to do it twice just because I can't take a that big a hit with tar spot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No. So the fungicide I, I'm with you. or the insecticide should be the second time. It probably should, but let's put it this way: um, if are are you ready to spray today? Where I'm going with this is I realize you're scouting for bugs today. You don't see any, but if it's let's call it Monday where you spray or uh, on Tuesday, that's the 4th of July. So a lot of people take that day off. If all of a sudden it ends up being Wednesday, well, literally by Wednesday, I'd be looking again. So every day you're out spraying, I'd be looking. If you see beetles, just throw the insecticide in and then you're covered. Okay. All right. Well, thanks guys. You bet. Good luck over there, John. You bet. Take care. Have a good Oh, and then I cut John off at the end. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's head, let's head a little further east over here to Alan Perry. Uh, he's a consultant in Maine with the Farm Technologies Network and was kind enough to come out and speak at a Neil Kinsey uh, event that we had going on here right in the middle of a big blizzard. Uh, Alan, I hope that wasn't your only introduction to South Dakota because that was a rough one. Oh, made me feel right at home. That was okay. <laughs> yeah, probably probably not too much different from what you guys get in the winter too. Hey, uh, we're talking about zinc here, it's and a little more weird. But... Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Get away from all the trees. Hey, uh, talk to us about zinc a little bit. What are some of the key things here that we need to know? Um, I think, uh, like with some of the other trace minerals, because we don't need hundreds of pounds per acre of these uh, trace minerals. I think sometimes we get the idea that maybe they're not that important uh, since we only use a little bit, but that's not really the case. Um, I think number one, I would say that uh, they're they're involved. Zinc is your water management tool. So for those of you who don't have irrigation or uh, in some hot, dry conditions like exist every year, zinc deficiency would hurt you even more in those conditions. So we need it for water. But it's involved in over 300 different enzyme uh, processes, so it's it's very active within the plant. Wow, yeah, it's a lot of different processes that are going on. Um, talk to us about crops specifically. You work with a lot of different crops, not only in Maine but uh, abroad as well. Uh, what are some of the crops that you would say really struggle getting enough zinc? Well, um, it's it uh, it really can show up uh, most any crop if the conditions are right uh, certainly the places there you'd be most suspicious if you take a soil test and you're showing zinc deficiency in the soil before you start uh, that's a red flag and then when you get some weather conditions that aren't favorable um, that's what sets you up for some of those troubles um, for example when you apply high amounts of lime the calcium in the lime actually ties up some zinc. So um, phosphorus ties up zinc, excess nitrogen ties up zinc. So there are some situations where if your zinc levels are at the minimum or a little below, you can actually create some issues, uh, zinc deficiency. Can you get enough zinc into your crops just from building up soil levels, or do you need to come in there foliar? And I know this year is is an interesting year where a lot of guys that aren't used to facing drought have got some drought, so they they no doubt aren't pulling very much in through the root system and there's no water out there. But normally do you expect if you just build soil levels up, you're going to be good? 
uh, on paper, if I'm in the classroom teaching that, I might be able to make that argument. But if I'm the farmer out in the field, I don't think we're perfect enough and know enough and can regulate weather and anticipate. Uh, I, I always watch for conditions and assume we're probably not at excellent levels. You know, you think about time of year that, that we need this. Do you, do you need zinc just a little bit every week throughout the growing season? Is it more important at certain times in plant growth and development? Uh, I target certain times, but there are over 2,500 proteins that zinc is uh, are zinc dependent. And with the 300 enzymes, you'd probably say that every day you've got to have zinc in the system but cold wet spring um that's going to make it tougher to get zinc you know that's something we face every year and we'll talk more about that right after this get more durability for less downtime with soil warrior strip tillage from environmental tillage systems improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage now that's roi learn more about ets at soilwarrior.com Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm, and the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. 
Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Talking Zinc on today's Ag PhD radio show. Thanks for joining us. If you've got an agronomic question, you can email us radio at agphd.com or give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD. Talking with Alan Perry with the Farm Technologies Network out in Maine. And Alan just dropped a few numbers on us that zinc is involved in 300 different enzyme processes. But on cold, wet starts to the year, it can be tough to get in. Well, that happens every year to us, Helen. We're always cold, and we've always got some snow melting, some frost leaving the soil. That's a little bit scary to me. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's something that you can anticipate. Uh, and if I knew which fields were going to be my first planted the fall before, I'd probably put down my 35 pounds of zinc sulfate and start building those soil levels. You know, that is an interesting idea, and we talk about it in dry, that we like to have more concentrated uh, nutrient levels in our soils because we may not have very much water to pull them in. Uh, But this is another good idea for, hey, we're going to have a tough time bringing certain things in, like zinc, in the early start of the year. Maybe have it more concentrated and have it in a spot where the roots don't have to look quite as hard to find it. I, I like that strategy. And keep in mind, phosphorus and zinc kind of antagonize each other a little bit. And so uh, if you're trying to put the zinc on in the spring when you're also trying to load up phosphorus, uh, zinc might not be quite as efficient getting in during that condition. But you can do it the fall before with potassium or um, whatever else you might be doing. Um, Dry in the soil is the cheapest way to go, but certainly you can supplement with foliar during the year too. You know, there's a lot of different crops out there, and we can focus on this crop or that crop, but it's really fun when we get talking about these soil issues. So, Alan, would you say there's crops that uh, need a lot higher concentration of zinc in the soil, or once we get to that uh, balance that we shoot for where we've got a sufficient amount of all the nutrients, is that the best, just regardless of crops? Uh, On paper, that's the best, regardless of the crops. The best The highest yielding, highest quality crops grow on basically the same soil, whether it's coconuts or corn or potatoes. um, That's what the research has shown. But we do know uh, rice is a very sensitive crop to zinc. Uh, Beans are very sensitive to zinc. Uh, And pecans concentrate zinc like most of the nut trees. So those would be crops that I would have another red flag out there trying to help them along a little bit. Well, it's really important to do some soil testing, pay attention to your crop throughout the season. Zinc is super, super important to, to way more enzyme, enzyme processes than I had any idea. Uh, and thanks to uh, Alan Perry for pointing all that out. Alan, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining us and uh, look forward to seeing you again down the road. Hey, if you can get a week or two without a blizzard, I might come right out there and visit. <laughs> Sounds good. I can't promise that, but but that would be great, Alan. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. Uh, another guy who braved the blizzard was our friend Bill Brush out in California. Uh, Bill, how you doing? 
Good, good. How are you guys doing back there? We're doing well. You know, you like to talk about water, and one nutrient that kind of gets important in water utilization is zinc. For for the guys that are irrigating and guys that have low CEC or low organic matter soils, uh, is zinc extra important for those guys? I think zinc, you know, it's uh, anybody who's seen zinc deficiency knows they don't want to see that in their crop, particularly uh, for something that is a, you know, even in a, a flowering crop like a rose or something like that that does multiple steps and multiple blooming sessions, always needs a lot of zinc because uh, zinc is really one of those keys to uh, to flowering and doing what you want. So in a corn crop, you know, at that time when we're trying to pollinate and essentially flowering, um, it, it becomes really important. Our biggest challenges we find is not so much the soil type as the soil conditions, meaning is it a high pH soil, which zinc likes to be taken up at these lower pHs. I don't focus too much in on, on just the pH itself, but when it is a high pH, it's more difficult to get in almost all the micronutrients. And when you when you have that issue, how are you going to change it? You know, I was just talking to a grower today. He's got a pH of about eight in his water. Well, what do you think his chances of getting a low pH when he's farming? Not at all. So what you have to do is you have to create some some uh, temporary acidity around the rhizosphere or down the roots during these high pH waters. Uh, you can try to treat your water. Uh, and, and drop the pH down so that things go much easier. But an easier way is, is just get things like um, things that will produce hydrogen, like an ammonium, uh, you know, using an ammonium sulfate. And when that converts to nitrate, that will release a lot of free hydrogen. Uh, elemental sulfur converting to sulfate sulfur reduces a lot of hydrogen. And this is one way to get them in. And, and I was listening to the tail end of Alan's presentation. And the other thing you got to look at is, Where's my phosphate? If I have a lot of phosphate, then guess what? I need a lot of zinc. And if I have a lot of zinc, guess what? I need a lot of phosphate. They kind of work up the scale together in tandem. If one gets ahead of the other one, you'll have trouble getting that other nutrient in. They're very, very antagonistic. So when you look at those, so I always like to get, try to keep it before something happens uh, major, like uh, a dairy guy that just continues to pound his soils with, the manure day in, day out with a lot of phosphates and maybe not enough zinc. And all of a sudden now he's got a zinc deficiency just because he's got way, way too much phosphate. So, so it's really important as you farm to understand the, the, the way that they are. You know, I always look at, and I explain it to my growers simplistically, but I, I, I explain it to them that zinc is really key to the distribution of water, you know, and nutrients. You know, wherever the water flows is where the nutrients are going to flow. So distributing water throughout the plant in, high, in times of high stress, it really becomes a super important part of what zinc does for you. And if you don't, you'll find that, guess what, those shoots become stunted. Uh, we'll get a lot of intervenal chlorosis, meaning we don't we get yellowing between the veins on the leaves. All of those are good, are strong indications. Uh, but the good thing is, and I always tell people that we call them micronutrients for a reason which means it doesn't take a whole lot into the plant to do everything we need that plant to do. So you have to, to take your whole farming program and say, where can I fit it in? How much can I get from the soil? Can I spike it up a little bit with some, 
some foliars to just get enough to get me through till I have a chance to get my soil samples taken, see how low I am, and begin to build those soils up in uh, with zinc. And, and again, Alan was right. The cheapest way to do it is almost always dry. You know, we, we talked to a lot of farmers that say, well, I don't own the ground and I, I want to have the best return on investment. Uh, is zinc one of those nutrients that you say, you know what, it really isn't that terribly expensive, just get it out there? Or is it one where you say, why don't, why don't you just try and go in the furrow and try and deliver some alongside the row, that kind of thing to get you by? Yeah, and, and there's a lot of, depending on what kind of uh, planter you're using, but if you're planting corn and you're putting in a... Uh, uh, you know, a starter fertilizer, it's pretty easy to put zinc into that. And uh, then those roots get into it pretty quick uh, right after they start to emerge. So there are a number of ways to skin this cat. But if you're farming it long term, the easiest way is to get your, your soil number up to know that it's there and available all the time. No matter where those roots start to grow, they're going to get into it. So, uh, you know, just a simple 10-pound application of zinc sulfate basically is going to raise your, you know, you're going to have about 10 pounds actual zinc in there. Let's say 36 pounds times 10, no, 3.6 pounds. So you're going to raise it almost two parts per million, just with 10 pounds. And that may be enough to get you over the threshold you need that may, that phosphate may be blocking you or whatever. So you can do a few things, whether it's rented ground or whether you own it. Yeah, and sometimes those dry formulations, like you mentioned, are are so much cheaper. You can get a lot more pounds if if that's what you're going for, building up soil levels. And like you kind of yeah. uh, correctly pointed out, there's some high phosphorus <laughs> soils out there, and there's some guys. Well, like our <laughs> our first guest on the show today puts on a, a manure byproduct, and he puts that on, or a feed byproduct, I should say, that that has tons and tons of fertility in there. And if you don't keep up on the zinc you're going to run into trouble fast hey bill uh, we're going to have to have you on again sometime soon to talk about water a little bit but we really appreciate having you on to talk zinc today i appreciate it guys have a good rest of the summer you bet you too you too we'll talk more about zinc and we'll dive into the ag phd mailbag coming up after this This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. 
We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting corteva.us. The hard-working independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example. Talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. back you're listening to ag phd radio and running out of time here on today's show but we still can get your question in if you've got something going on in your farm you want to talk about 844-44-AG-PHD or you can email us radio at agphd.com during the break darren and i were just talking about rapid growth syndrome in corn so for both darren and myself we've been on the farm our whole lives we have been agronomists for over 30 years and we get really frustrated when there's a whole bunch of nonsense that all of a sudden becomes general belief like well everybody talks about that it's got to be a real thing well it's kind of like when you go on the internet okay please don't believe everything you read out there because there are all kinds of mistruths half truths and just flat out lies so here's one of the things Rapid growth syndrome. Yeah, it doesn't exist. That is not a thing. Okay, all that is is we didn't figure out what was wrong, so we called it this made-up term that sounds cool where you go, wow, it's just, you know, the plant's just growing so fast that that's why we've got a problem. No, that's ridiculous. So is the plant growing fast? Sure. But why do we have a problem? Well, that's up to you to figure out. So on our farm, here's what ended up happening. We looked at our cornfields, this is quite a few years ago now, and we had random plants yellow at the top. So right away, I just assumed it was sulfur deficiency, but we tested, thankfully, and found out, no, in pretty much every case, it was zinc. And as soon as we fixed the zinc problem that we had in our farm, got that phosphorus to zinc ratio right, like I was talking about, all of a sudden, no more yellow tops. <laughs> So was it rapid growth syndrome? That's what everybody was calling it. No, it wasn't rapid growth syndrome. Figure out what the problem is, fix it, and then you end up with a lot more yield. You make a, made a lot more money. Your crop looks a lot better. And then you're also able to prove that 
what people are saying is just flat out not true. So some of those things are kind of fun when we, we figure out what the cause of the problem is. So here's what I'm saying. Because our topic is zinc today, and I just told you what was called rapid growth syndrome by people on our farm that turned out to be a zinc deficiency. I'm not saying that's your problem for sure. You need to test your plants, test your soil, see what's going on. It could be something other than zinc. It could be sulfur. Many of the micronutrients, they show up as yellowing on the upper leaves of the plant. Now, it's also possible you might see some of that from Flexstar carryover uh, or Femesophens, the active ingredient, because we've seen a fair amount of that this year. You have to figure out what's really going on in your crop. But all I'm saying here is we do see a lot of zinc deficiencies. Now, let's also talk about where we see more zinc deficiencies and not. Just understand that zinc, like phosphorus, barely moves in soil. So I don't know. I haven't run the tests on this myself uh, on zinc. But like with phosphorus, I do know South Dakota State University ran some tests. I so I was at one of the research farms, this is probably 20 years ago, and they go, yeah, guys, we, we measured this, and it's like 30 years to move an inch or something like that for phosphorus in their heavy soil and their conditions. Um, I'm not going to tell you that zinc is going to move one inch in 30 years, but I just know that zinc barely moves in soil, okay? So you think about this logically. How do most people put zinc on? It's one of two ways. They either broadcast it on the soil surface or they put it on with a planter, and it's two by two, and it's in a band, it's in a strip, and they only put a quart on. Okay, most people, a quart. Well, a quart's going to get used up that year by the crop, and, and then some if you have a good crop. So there's none of that left. So basically what I'm saying here is the only time that anybody's building is if they have broadcasted out there, whether it was manure, zinc sulfate, whatever they're doing. So what I'm trying to tell you here is unlike nitrogen or sulfur or boron, your zinc is going to basically stay where it is put. It is not moving. So unless you do tillage, if you laid that zinc on the soil surface, your zinc is not going down into that ground very well. So like on our farm, we had erosion on our side hills. A common thing that ends up happening, especially like years ago when it was a lot more conventional till. So that's where our zinc deficiencies were. Now, the good news is, where did the zinc wash to? Well, the bottoms of the hills, so, you know, the yield was pretty good, and we didn't see any of those yellow tops there or anything like that. But anyway, all I'm saying is, uh, with, with zinc in general, just keep in mind, you need to treat that different than you do nitrogen or sulfur or boron because it's not just going to leach. It's not just going to move down through the soil profile. You've got to put it in the right places. But when you do, it can be great. So incredibly important nutrient. We'd encourage you to take a look at it, do soil tests, do tissue tests if you're seeing problems. All right, let's head back to the phone lines here. We got Bob up in North Dakota with a question. I want to talk a little bit about seed treatment, including nutrients. How are you doing, Bob? Pretty good. And yourself, Darren? Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So I was wondering, if, is it possible by mixing micronutrients into your seed treat? on wheat, if it's possible with the environmental conditions perfect, could hurt your germination. Regardless of environmental conditions, it could hurt your germination. So, let, really? let, oh yeah, let's put it this way, Bob. Um, a lot of things that we have learned, it's because we've screwed stuff up. <laughs> so we've tried all kinds of things over the years because you know we just want to push the limits sometimes. And you can hurt germination of pretty much any seed out there by getting the wrong amount 
of the wrong nutrient on that seed. So we are really cautious about that. Uh, it, it, so I'm not saying you can't do it. And there are some companies out there who sell some some products that it'd be a really, really, really low use rate, but you can put right on that seed. And yeah, you might be able to get by with it most times, but we, we do worry about that. Now I will say this, wheat is going to be much less sensitive than something like soybeans and even less sensitive than corn. So you got a shot to make that work. But what I usually tell guys is, look, you can't get much out there anyway. So if you want to try a little bit, fine. But I just, I get scared to death when it's things where I know and I've seen it before where it hurts stuff. Um, I got enough risk already in farming is the way I look at it. So if it's me, I'm usually going to try to figure out another way to get my micronutrients on there. And quite frankly, we like building up the overall soil profile and then going from there. Because a lot of times, well, it's just like our topic today, zinc. Zinc sulfate's dirt cheap. I mean, you can use a little bit of liquid uh, to kind of feed the crop or foliar feed or whatever. But you can fix your whole soil profile with not a lot of dollars invested with zinc sulfate. And then it lasts for years typically. So that's generally speaking right. how we do it. Is there any micronutrient in particular that you're looking at here? Is it just a blend or what are you after? It's 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 just a blend that sure. we got from our dealers. Yeah. yeah. And uh the early the early wheat took it fine. Yep. But this late stuff in a higher higher temperature, you're seeding right around ninety degrees, high humidity, mm -hmm. dry soil. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, it just hammered that germination on it. Okay, by very definition, fertilizer is salt. And so I always try to keep that in mind myself. And when does salt hurt you the worst? It's when you're dry. So if you have adequate okay. rainfall, you got a moist soil and all that stuff, you know, and, and here, here's the other thing, Bob, that ends up happening. A lot of times we talk to guys, and I'll just say this too, we always get the problem calls, okay? Things accelerate and it's like, okay, I, I always get in on those problem deals. And this is invariably what the guy says, well, I've done this 10 years in a row. I've done this five years in a row. It's always worked before. Uh -huh. I, yep, I get that. But now we just had the wrong environmental conditions and here we are. So this is why we're right. talking so much about Let's just be careful and be conservative, and my preference is keep the nutrients off the seed if we can. Okay, wow. I wish I could get you, get this recording on my phone. <laughs> I could show my agronomist or let her listen to it. Uh, well, on, on SiriusXM, uh, they replay our show at, what is it, 11 o'clock tonight, I think. So otherwise, you can certainly podcast the show as well, and they can listen to it. But, 11 tonight? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So every day our show airs live at 2 p.m. Central and then they rerun it at uh, 11 p.m. Central. So I know, Bob, you and I are probably both in uh, asleep at that point. But, you know, there are some people who are up later on in the evening. <laughs> so they'll they'll play this this yep. at two o'clock today at 11 o'clock in tonight. Yep. On TV, too, or just on the radio? Nope, nope, just on the radio. And then, like I say, it's also okay. available with podcasts, so if you want to check that out as well. Okay. And uh, anyway, yeah, you and I might not be big in the podcast thing, but I'll tell you what, all the uh, the young young people, they're they're into the podcast thing uh, in, a, in a big way. So anyway, hey, Bob, yeah. we got to run, but uh, thank, thanks a lot okay, for calling thanks, in. Thanks a lot. You bet. You helped a lot. Good, thanks. Always fun talking about zinc and micronutrients. A lot of different ways to do it. Just got to be careful. You don't want to overdo anything. And with micros, you only need a small quantity. So you can overdo it pretty easy. 
Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.